0: Cat Stevens, Moonshadow, playing on Riverside. I love Cat Stevens. I really, 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 really love Cat Stevens. And I love that tune. It's just so iconic. Um, so, hello, everyone. Good evening. You are listening to me, Keeley. Uh, so, welcome to lis- uh, Speaking Freely with Keeley. Um, and today, I am joined by Fred Riverson. Um, But before I introduce him to you, I would love to just um, talk to you about my little journey, actually. That's... Uh, I guess what's brought me here today and have these amazing guests with me. Um, so I think one of the most valuable things in life is, um, I guess, to self heal and to have um, a journey of introspection. To definitely spend time, um, you know, exploring that. Um, so my journey—I've always been a very curious, open-minded individual, um, and I guess I'm someone that's always been looking for answers. Um, but like most people, you know, throughout my life, I've had my periods where I've, you know had my battles with things like anxiety and depression. Um, and that all culminated to one big catastrophe where I really had a wake up call. Um, and I guess I woke up to life. Um, so what I did from then on was I kind of went on a journey um of just wanting to be on my own wanting to be in nature wanting to really get to know who i was the nitty-gritty the good the bad and the ugly um you know to really stare at myself in that mirror and learn about who i am and to get rid of all the badness that i just didn't like about myself um and yeah just live a life of wholeness and, and purity um and along that way i started my journey with the whole you know conventional method of um, you know, having a, a psychologist, having prescribed medication, um, which did alleviate the symptoms a little bit for a little while. But actually, um, the symptoms then did just get far worse. Um, so from then on, um, I started reading, um, I started experiencing different things, hiking in nature, being alone with my thoughts, um, studying things like psychology, spirituality, i um, attending random seminars and random like psychic events and, even actually having some psychic lessons, which was actually really fun. Um, So yeah, so along the way I've met some incredible people, had some really incredible experiences, and just connected and learned so much from so many different people. Um, So last week, um, all of this exploration took me to a seminar in uh, Kensington, London. Um, which was a seminar on Law of Attraction, um, which is pretty cool. You know, like I'm all into Law of Attraction and learning uh, more things. But actually, the real learning didn't actually happen or take place until after the event um, when Fred this week. So um, Fred, um, so Fred, what do you work as? Why don't you tell the listeners what you work as? Sure. So
1: <laughs> I work as I do a few things. I do work as life coach. And yeah. I also have a different layer. So life coaching is often very mental. And I found that working with the mind is helpful to Mm -hmm. some extent, but quite often we need to go a bit further, and the mind isn't necessarily the best tool. And I found a a rather interesting tool in Kazakhstan which involves energy healing. Uh, It's a bit similar to Reiki, and Reiki is one channel we use, but the whole method is called Cosmo Energy. We use about uh, 60 different channels, and we combine with body-oriented therapy to help unblock trapped emotions. And what we often find is when we unblock the trapped emotions, we don't really need feel the need to talk about them anymore because they're gone and we stop.
0: okay amazing um all right so w- this week so basically you guys have been working with me um i guess i've kind of been there the a little prodigy you know um which has been super super exciting and i will um talk about the results of that and and how i've certainly found that um but i would love just to go a little bit deeper so um i guess first of all like how long um fred have you been uh working within this sector or this realm
1: so with coaching, I've been doing it for over three years now. Uh, I left a job in finance to do this in 2016.
0: Wow, such a change. <laughs> yeah, quite
1: quite a bit of change. But uh, at the same time, it's still working with people. And yeah. it was, it's much more fulfilling. And then I found this method in 2018. So I got trained in this method in Kazakhstan end of 2018. And uh, starting 2019, I've been doing it uh, quite a bit, really. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: And and your life before, how was that in in contrast uh, to the life that you're living now? Is there been, you know, a real significant change in you?
1: It's been actually radically different. Uh, before it was the regular life of having a regular job yep. of working through the year uh uh, f- motivated largely by financial gain. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, well, like most jobs that are not, that are jobs and not careers. Yeah. And I like making the distinction. I, I, I think uh, interesting one is saying that a career is something that you do even if you didn't ha- have to earn any money. Yeah. And a job is something that you do because you need to put bread on the table. And there's nothing wrong having a job that you like with cool, uh, cool colleagues that's fun, that's stimulating, that's well paid. And it's still just a job. And so it was. Uh, it was a regular life of having a job that wasn't particularly fulfilling. It was nice enough, but not particularly fulfilling. Yeah. I aspired to more. And uh, so what I did is I decided to leave the job, yeah. Go and travel. So I took a one-way ticket to Africa, thinking that uh, if I change everything, I'll see what 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 stays behind. And uh, and basically, I've been traveling ever since. So uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so. It's cool. a big change. Now, obviously, to to the listeners um, who are listening, you know, a lot of people. I mean, it, obviously, it, this is a new journey to me. You know, uh, entering this space, and um, you know, for them, they haven't been exposed to, to such healing. Um. I guess, you know, just from the, uh, the foundation or the basics of what it is that you do. So most people, when they think of, you know, uh, any issues, um, you know, with their mental health, with anxiety, depression, anything, all these, you know, common illnesses that we have nowadays, um, how is what you do, how, how does that help them? How does that differentiate from the conventional means of, um, you know, psychotherapy or, or prescribed medication, I guess?
1: It, well, the, the whole approach is quite different. Um, they can be quite complementary. I think there's a lot to be said for thinking through problems and learning to, 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 to make the mind a bit more quiet. And actually, my, my Russian teachers were saying, well, it's a good thing that you work with a Westernist because you understand how twisted your logic is. <laughs> and you can undo the logic so the mind shuts up and we can start actually doing the real work. So what, what I found is thinking through things is helpful to a certain point. But at one point, if we feel that we've got anger or sadness or fear inside of us, thinking about it possibly is not the optimal way of releasing it, or it takes a long, long, long time to do. Mm -hmm. And like we've seen, we can release a significant amount of anger or sadness or fear within a few minutes, and then it's gone. Yeah. And it's, I just find it much more efficient. Now, some people don't like the work, they prefer talking, and then it's fine. As long as it works for people, it's great. And if the approach with medication works for them, it's great. And if talking works, it's great. And typically the people I work with are people who feel a bit frustrated because they've been putting a lot of effort into a method. Uh, They haven't been getting the results they really want. They're a bit uncertain about whether doing more of it is actually the solution. Um, and they, yeah, they they don't really know how to approach things, so they're open to trying something else. And sometimes they're a bit angry with themselves because they feel that if they're not getting anywhere, they're the ones to blame. And sometimes, well, they're just using the wrong the wrong method or using a method that has served its purpose yep. and has gone as far as it could go. And they want to try something else. And, well, sometimes they should actually just do a little bit more, a little bit more of it. But that's where where it gets quite complementary. It's actually working directly with the body, directly where the actually with the emotion. So perhaps I should explain a little yeah, bit about no, abs- how that Yeah, no, that works. will
0: be my next question, is how does the, the, the physiology of it work? Absolutely, go sure. for it.
1: <laughs> so it's the, the, the theory, so this is called body-oriented therapy. The idea is when we have one of the seven universal emotions, so as studied by Paul Ekman, Dr. Paul Ekman, uh, who's a specialist in lie detection, he identified seven universal emotions, which are anger, sadness, fear, surprise, joy, contempt, and disgust. Now, what happens typically is when we go through one of the emotions, every emotion helps us understand the situation we're in. So if we take it like a uh, a dashboard of a car, we can read the situation, we can process it. But typically what happens, like imagine there's a child who would like some ice cream. The child wants some ice cream, the parent says no. The child gets angry, the parent then gets angry saying stop being angry, the child becomes afraid, maybe starts crying and the parent says stop crying you're annoying me so what the child has felt is anger hasn't been able to express the anger has had to repress it and then is basically feels fear because they're afraid the parents getting angry and then also sadness because they have to let go of the ice cream and forget about the ice cream and they feel maybe they're not loved so if this is expressed it goes through the body it goes out Mm-hmm. If it isn't expressed, it actually gets stored somewhere in the body through basically a tense muscle. So I remember some years ago asking a, a acupuncturist, why do I have knots in my bag? And he said, well, you know, when you get afraid, your body goes into fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode, and sometimes the muscles forget to relax. But what I didn't realize is that they forget to relax sometimes for decades. Yeah. So the idea is you have the emotion stored somewhere. It can be stored in the back, in the stomach, which is sometimes nicknamed the cemetery of emotions. <laughs> it can be stored in the, in the chest, in the jaws. There's a lot of anger in the jaws. So you see people who grind their teeth, typically, such as myself, typically have, have anger somewhere. Uh, and, and so what we do is we find the point where the emotion is stored. We use energy, to release the emotion. So we press the point, it's usually very painful, The person screams yells releases the emotion the point strangely stops hurting and sometimes we cry we scream we just uh we just uh relive the fear and then at one point it's gone and we feel better it's 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 basically living it talking about it it feels like i'm describing harry potter but that's how it feels like but then (laughs) systematically when i work with people i'm getting these results so it's uh you know objectively i see the results
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before I come back to the results, actually, there's something I I would love to ask you about. Um, Is, you know, I guess when you're talking about, you know, those um, areas of emotion that are stuck and trapped and you basically pressure point them out, um, I guess to the listeners that would be similar to going to like a, a chiropractor or something, hey, where they, you know, they do work on those points and they really do release those tensions and those toxins into your body. And, you know, I've had it myself where I've gone to have like an all over body massage and afterwards I feel like I've got the flu. Because I'm releasing all those toxins, yeah. hey, that have been, you know, stuck there for so long. Um, okay, cool, the question that I had um, in terms of results is what kind of results have you seen? Um, you know, you've been doing this work for like three years now, have you had any miraculous case studies?
1: Uh, yeah, as much as, mu- as, much as I, 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 I uh, the, the rational part of me doesn't want to talk about miraculous case studies, but I put it this way, I've had good results working with the mind, like yeah. really good results working with the mind. I've seen a total shift in the level of results we get when I work with a body where um, people would go from situations with incredibly anxious to suddenly going, you know what, I don't care anymore. I accept that other people are choosing to be angry and I really don't care. Um, I've had people who will start sleeping again properly. Mm -hmm. Um, Situations where generally what happens is people's lives become much more simple because they accept that other people feel what they feel, they feel whatever they feel, they stop being as fearful of other people's reactions. They also learn that if they don't express the emotion, it's gonna get trapped inside, and that's not pleasant. And a lot of the illnesses we have are linked to trapped emotions. Again, if somebody's ill, go and see a doctor. But if you can release a trapped emotion, or you can express it, or you feel the need to cry, probably you need to cry. If you feel the need to be angry, choose how you express the anger. Maybe breaking all of the cut, uh, all of the, um, all of the, the glassware is not the optimal way to express the anger or maybe busting the TV isn't the optimal way. But maybe writing something down could be or shouting into a pillow. Or punching a sofa, maybe yep. that that's acceptable, and it's efficient, and it works, and that's free. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> amazing! I want to touch on as well what you just um, mentioned there about you know physical ailments that um you know people have like things like disease. So um you know. We, we talk about now you know and it's people are talking more about the fact that actually disease is actually dis-ease within yourself um you know and, and things like cancer not only are they born of your environment but they are also due to stuck emotions and repressed emotions and memories within you that you have not processed, which are coming out and giving you these horrific symptoms manifesting as something like cancer um, amongst a, a few. Um, so do you think therefore if you are able to treat your body um, and therefore your mind through this uh, form of therapy, do you think it is possible then to have breakthroughs and, and be able to treat the cells of, of these diseases?
1: Uh, well, I'd say it certainly helps. Yeah. Um, probably, put it this way, I don't claim that it's gonna heal anything Mm -hmm. but it's very unlikely it will harm anything so if it can help heal to some extent is it interesting to get that extra push now generally most people would say well logically it is Uh, if it's not enough then do whatever is missing Uh, but generally it's it a number of problems that we don't think could be solved easily tend to get solved much more easily than we would expect. And that's really surprising. Again, I don't make the claims. I I, I I know of people who have had illnesses. The
0: fears, oh I love a bit of tears for fears, shout. So at that song. And before that as well, we had Stevie Wonder with uh, Superstition. Um, absolute classic. Welcome back everyone to uh, Speaking Freely with me, Keely, Um And of course my amazing guests, Fred and Tori. Um, cool, well, continuing on from uh you know this very deep soulful conversation that we have um i guess um the what i'd love to talk about now is the fact that um you know during my mental breakdown to have a mental breakthrough as i like to call it um i guess you know i, I did a lot of talking therapy and so forth to obviously try and i um, find my sanity again um and try and find um i guess you know an, an inner, inner peace, in in peace and a um, level of happiness that I never really had within myself. And for all those years prior to that, you know, I've been dumbing it, you know, dumbing myself down or repressing those um, emotions with things like alcohol, you know, and other narcotics at certain times of my life um and but even though despite um all of the talking therapy there was still you know two years later here I am and you know I'm still experimenting still trying to find that inner calm and that blissfulness that I know is possible that's at the essence of of who I am um and I know that is something that we would all love to get rid of all that noise and all that chatter in our minds um so I guess you know my question um leading on from that to you guys is um Like How does this form of healing differentiate to the conventional forms of healing? Um, You know, to someone who this is completely alien to, you know, you mentioned like anything to do with alternative therapy or energy healing or the name Jesus or hypnotherapy or NLP, and people want to box it based on their past beliefs and they run away scared, like, oh, what is that? No, no. And they start rejecting it and put up all these walls and these blockages. So, to try and open up their minds, how can we, um, you know, open their minds, open their hearts to trying something new and loving themselves? to be able to explore that and not be in fear of something different?
1: Uh, wow, big question. Um, <laughs> let me see. So maybe I'll just talk about part of my experience with it. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which was walking by a, a festival in the mountains in Almaty in the south of Kazakhstan, walking by a tent full of people that were screaming and shouting and crying and thinking to myself, you know, that, that looks interesting. As a, as a Westerner, Western man who doesn't really express emotions with Nordic, you know, Anglo-Saxon, Scandinavian roots, uh, what happens if you actually release all of that? And, you know, what might there be underneath? Uh, and I say this having done some, some therapy, having done a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection, a lot of work on myself. And lo and behold, a few minutes later, or an hour later... I found myself on the ground with a, uh, my friend now my friend and teacher Sasha, who is a tall, strong a Kazakh man of Korean origin and pretty pretty, pretty beefy, pretty strong, and he was elbowing my stomach on a point that was mind-blowingly painful. And I basically I screamed out and I released the pain, and it brought back memories of when my grandmother died 30 years before. Wow. And what basically had happened was she passed away. And my parents were trying to be helpful, and they said, listen, this is really sad. Try not to think about it. So I, I tried not to think about it, and I was very good at not thinking about it. Then then when my father passed away, I did not think about it. When my uncle passed away, I did not think about it. When I had problems in my life, I didn't think about them. And I, I, I was able to gradually release it. And to be able to breathe without the tension is such a mind-blowing relief it's incredible. Now, I'd done some therapy which helped me talk about things, understand things, have models that helped me think a bit more clearly. I don't know how many years of therapy I would have had to do to get to the fact that I hadn't expressed sadness about the death of my grandmother and then to actually release it. And talking actually when I was doing the, the training with my teachers, they were saying, well you know what will you do about this? And I said, well, I start explaining. They say, stop using your head. The problem isn't your head. Your head works very well. The problem isn't your head. The problem is you're using your head to not look inside. You're just creating noise in your life so that you don't see what's really there because you're afraid. And so I go, well, I hear you. My brain hears you. How do I do it? Well, you're using your head. Stop. (laughs) And they're able actually to, to start pushing to work on me, to, they they used a few, they, they, they were just mind-blowing, um, so Natalie found images to trigger me, to bring out the emotions, and they brought out terrible rage I had, that I'd had since I was a child, just huge rage, and basically I realized I was really afraid of letting go of the rage, because I didn't know what I was going to destroy when I let it out, but in truth I just let it out, and I screamed and hit a chair, and then I cried, and about five minutes later it was gone. And those had been like two of the biggest forces driving my life, like day-to-day decisions. Uh, Fear of the emotions, fear of the sadness, fear of the anger, fear of conflict, fear of being judged, and- That's
0: a big one, judgment, hey? (laughs) Oh, it's massive, yeah. Yeah.
1: So once it was out, it's like, I don't care, you wanna judge me, knock yourself out, what do I care? You want conflict, okay, I'd rather not have it, but if you insist, we'll have it, sure if that's if you know if that's your cup of tea okay i won't shy away from it because why would i i'm not going to allow myself to be bullied you know and that that's it's such a relief to so, get to that point
0: i'm so sorry to cut you off there but so d- is that something that instantaneously happened in you? Because obviously it's something that we all have. You know, we're all so scared of other people's judgments. We're in fear of the uncertainty or the unknown or, you know, any kind of change, you know, and especially of people and their judgments and social conformity and the list goes on. Um, but would you say that having done this this form of therapy, um, it was an instantaneous change in you to go from, really caring about other people and that affecting your emotional balance within you to not letting it affect you at all like you've got this like shield on the outside where you can't touch me (laughs) well
1: it was it was a two-step process the first step was actually understanding it that was working with the mind so i i was fortunate to do a course in lie detection where we study the different emotions and to see if somebody's being deceitful or not and i realized afterwards that i was often deceitful to myself so hiding emotions from mm-hmm. myself. So that was one interesting realization. Now, typically, the, 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 the fear, so every emotion has a purpose. The purpose of fear is very simple because it ties back to when we were cavemen and cavewomen. The purpose of fear is to keep us alive against two types of threat. First of all, physical danger, such as there's a big noise like, is there a tiger in the studio or did someone drop a plate or like, are we safe or not? And the second one is fear of social rejection. because when we were cavemen and cave women, if we did something bad and the tribe ejected us from the cave, our DNA died with us. Wow. And you know you're out of the cave. They're snakes, the tigers, they're crocodiles, all bunch of animals, wolves. And actually, this is this crazy thing just to put it in context. before the last ice age, there were megafauna where wolves were roughly the size of horses and beavers were the size of cows and they ate meat. So you think, you know, we, we walk around nature, we as you walk around London, you see a fox, you get a bit nervous. Imagine a beaver the size of a cow that looks at you <laughs> as though you're dinner. It's like, you know, we're, we're, yeah, wow. we're massively conditioned to avoid <laughs> social rejection because it means death. And so if we die, our DNA doesn't pass on and that's the, you know, that's one of the worst things that can happen to us. Mm-hmm. So we're unbelievably afraid of it. Now, the thing is rationally today, Even if nobody around us likes us, we're not gonna die. It's unbelievably difficult to die in our society Mm -hmm. because there's so many good, caring people, for whatever reason, some because they're good, others because they've got, you know, codependency and attachment issues, but ultimately they help people in need, which is unbelievably amazing. So it's difficult to die, but our brain hasn't understood this yet. So we're afraid of the judgment because we assume if they dislike us, then something bad might happen. You know, a beaver might eat me. But when you think of it, you go, well, if they do, it's their choice. And if they want to dislike me, they will, regardless of what I do. And if they want to like me, they probably will, regardless Mm -hmm. of what I do, if I'm not too much of an idiot. So from there on, it's like, well, if I'm doing the best and it's not good enough for the people around me, maybe I shouldn't hang out with them. And if nobody wants to hang out with me, it might be time for a bit of introspection. Mm -hmm. And... You know, generally, it's not that 100% of the people say they were idiots. It's one or two people who are unpleasant. And maybe it just so happens that they like having the power over others to manipulate them to get whatever they want. And that's somewhat some form of toxic behavior. But when we rationalize a little bit and go, you know, ultimately, whose opinion do I care about? You know, what do these people think? And why do I care about their opinion? And ultimately, they're entitled to their opinion. And I can't control it. I can just accept it. I can regret it. I Mm -hmm. can accept it. And I can do my best. And if my best isn't good enough, I can apologize. And they can accept my apology or not. And if they don't, it's their choice. And then, well, I've lost them. And if they do, then it's cool. And they give me another chance. And then I try to improve. And then I better be up to the standards I wish for myself. But then it's my responsibility to be the person I aspire to be.
0: again I guess you know the way that I'm looking at that from a standpoint of the listeners is you know it's so much easier said than done um it's a bit like you know when you have your talking therapy it's like you know I went for a whole process of being like okay well I'm like that because of that experience. I'm like this because of that experience and I do this because of that and that's why I behave like this. Okay, cool. That's all well and good. That's how I behave and I get it. I know who I am. Cool. But how do I stop these emotions? How do I stop these terrible behavioral patterns? How do I do this? How do I do that? Um so I guess, you know, it's it's one of those things and it's and it's so it really resonates with me, but it's that unlocking that. How do I shut off that mind? How do I do that? Um, do you believe in uh, modern day uh, talking therapy? Do you think um, it's something that we need to revise now? Do you think that we're of an age where we do need to look at something alternative and open up people's minds to this?
1: I uh, that's, a, that's a broad question. I find talking therapy can be very helpful. Yeah. I find... So I'm not a psychologist, though I use multiple psychological tools. I find very good psychologists are unbelievably good coaches. And the distinction I'd make here, which is my own own distinction to simplify is, some psychologists will help you understand why things are the way they are. Mm -hmm. And then the coaching aspect would be, help you change your life so it matches what you want. And the good psychologists do both beautifully well and they're just, I'm, I'm humbled seeing the quality of the work they do. I find when it comes to the understanding, there's limited value to it. So I take the image of if I have my, my hand on a burning frying pan, I can understand why it's there. I can understand who put it there. I can understand why, you know, my neighbor put it there because when they were a child, their mother put their hand on a burning frying pan and therefore it's their way to whatever it is. At the end of the day, do I feel pain? Yes or no? If I do, do I want to do something about it? If mm-hmm. I do, what will I do? Understanding doesn't help me do anything about it. Generally, now I, I just give a very quick anecdote. Um, an acquaintance of mine got married and found out pretty quickly that her new husband was toxic. I could say a narcissist, let's just say toxic. And so we had a chat, she realized he was toxic. She was working with a psychotherapist. The psychotherapist told her, Oh, well, she was working with a psychotherapist. We had another chat. Recently, she'd given birth to the child. They had a child. And the hu- so after the giving birth, the husband was even more toxic than before. So we cho- spoke about this. I spoke about the frying pan. And she goes, you know, I was this close. I was so close to leaving him. But my psychotherapist said, you know, maybe we have the key to understanding him. And afterwards, I got pregnant. And she goes, if I'd realized that it wasn't about understanding, but it was about do I accept this toxic behavior? She goes, I- It's toxic. I don't care why he does it. It's toxic at the end of the day. You know, I wouldn't be married with a child with this toxic person. You know, that's true. But at the same time, you wouldn't have this beautiful little baby. So it's all for good reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I listen to um, a lot of... uh People like uh, Joe Dispenza, Wayne uh, Dyer. Um, Joe Dispenza is like a neuroscience um, doctor. He also like studies like metaphysics, and he always talks about how like your thoughts are um, what power your brain, and your emotions are what you know, uh, I guess the memories in your body. Um, so yeah, your thoughts are your mind, your experiences and memories are in your body. So there's also like a massive disconnection sometimes I think in today's world where um, people don't have the connection between the, the mind, body and soul. Um, you know, and it is heavily focused on the mind and they f- neglect the fact that they have these bodies that they need to nourish and they need to look after. And I guess that ties into the body orientation perfectly, doesn't it, because it's working all of them and, and releasing that and really connecting to to your essence, which I guess is your, your soul, hey, which yeah. is similar to what you do. Um, I would love to talk more. We will be talking more. We've still got a, no, a whole other hour to go, which is super exciting. Um, But let's have another break. Here is uh, Wonderful Life by Black.